Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. I believe, without any shadow of a doubt, that prayer can be a transforming factor in your life as a Christian. Matter of fact, I'll go as far to say, if you don't develop this discipline of prayer in your life, you'll never be what God wants you to be as a Christ follower. You just can't do it. Your life is going to be incomplete without it. And so over these last four weeks that we've been looking at these big and bold prayers that have ended up with supernatural results by the hand of God, I hope that you realize that that's not just something God wanted for Joshua or Hezekiah or somebody like that, but God really wants it for every single one of us. And so I hope what I said in the first week when we started this series has actually happened, and that is you have been inspired to pray these kind of prayers, the kind of prayers that actually work. And you're beginning to see prayer work in your own life. Because, you know, let's, let's just be honest for a minute, okay? Um, we all know that we need to pray, but most of us, if we're honest, don't pray near as much as we should, right? And I'm one of those that, you know, I just always struggle with because everybody else could always pray better than me, right? I was always a little intimidated about praying because they, they just did that. And I found out that how you feel about prayer kind of makes a difference as to whether you grew up in church or not or what kind of church you grew up in. So I want to do a little survey real quick, okay? Uh, first of all, let's, let's do a survey about how often you went to church. And so if you were grow when you were growing up as a young person, okay, child and a teenager, if you went to church all the time, I mean almost every time the doors were open, I want you to raise your hand up. Hold them up, all right? Look around there. All right, good many. All right, how many of you went to church some of the time? You know, you know, special occasions or maybe once a month, mom and dad say, let's go, that kind of thing, or you went with a friend, okay, some of the time. All right, good. All right, now how many of you just never went to church at all? I mean, you, you did not grow up in church at all, okay? Several hands there, yeah. All right, even our youth pastor, God bless you. I see that hand. All right. So, so we got a, kind of an idea. While we're on it, let's just find out what kind of church you grew up in. How, how many of you grew up in a Methodist church? Any Methodists? Okay. How many of you grew up in a Presbyterian church? Okay. Uh, uh, all right. Catholic church? All right. Uh, Non-denominational church? All right. An Assembly of God or Pentecostal kind of church? I know you want to raise your hand, right? All right. You've been wanting to raise your hand for the last four or five, right? <laughs> All right, good. That's good. Well, we're glad some of y'all are here. Amen. All right. Now, how many of you grew up Baptist and are currently backslidden? Okay, God bless you. I'd see those hands too. That, that's awesome. We're, we're praying for all of you too. So, so, yeah, it makes a difference kind of where you grew up, how you grew up, how often you went to church and all that. And like many of you, I grew up in a Baptist church. And the pastor that I had when I was growing up, he had this authoritative, big, booming voice. And I mean, when he prayed, it commanded the room. You know what I'm talking about? And, but he used different kinds of terms that I wasn't familiar with. I, I think he prayed in King James Version, okay? Because it goes something like this. Oeth lordeth, weeth cometh toeth theeth todayeth, witheth oureth needeth, you know, and I... 
I just didn't talk like that, so I couldn't pray like that. I wasn't even going to try, you know. It just, I, I couldn't do it. So I, I just felt like I was inadequate when it came to praying, right? And then we had the deacons who would come up to take up the offering, and you always had the designated deacon who it was their turn on that day to say the prayer, right? And, it, it, yeah, they'd come up front, and you'd have that designated deacon. Well, he could always pray like crazy, man, you know. And, and when he prayed, I was afraid to chew my gum. I mean, I, I was afraid, you know, it would stop what was going on or something, you know. He could really pray. And then I can't leave out Miss Nellie Sue. Because when Miss Nellie Sue got to praying, you just might as well get comfortable because you knew it was going to be a minute because she was going to pray just about anything and everything that could be prayed for, right? And speaking of getting comfortable, how many of you grew up with circle prayer? You know what I'm talking about. Raise your hand. When you grew up with circle prayer, y'all don't know what somebody... Okay, circle prayer is where you sit in a circle or you stand in a circle and you hold hands and then everybody in the circle is supposed to say... A, a little prayer, okay? It's called circle prayer. Well, I grew up in circle prayer, all right? And I mean, if you're sitting down, all right, and you're doing circle prayer, you have to reach out to the person beside of you, right? And so you're holding their hand. And after about five minutes, your arm feels like it's weighing 50 pounds, all right? And the person next <laughs> that you're holding their hand, their arm's feeling like it's weighing 50 pounds. So you, all of a sudden, you got 100 pounds just pulling on your hand. You're just wondering when this prayer is going to end, right? Because your arm's getting tired, Right? And, and, and so you got that going on. Then if you're standing, okay, if you're standing, you're standing there in the circle and you're holding hands and everything, you know, well, you're standing there and you're waiting on your turn to pray. Well, after about five minutes, everybody kind of gets a little bit fidgety, right? And your hands start getting sweaty. And then it, it, without fail, every single time, your nose is going to start itching. And then you got to figure out how to get that person who's holding your hand to let go of your hand so you can scratch your itching nose, okay? Because the last thing you ever want to do is break the circle of prayer, hallelujah, all right? And so you don't want to let go of that hand unless it's an absolute emergency, you know what I'm talking about? But you finally get them to let go of your hand so that you can scratch your itching nose, and so you scratch your nose, then you, they, they want to reach back and hold your hand again, okay? I mean, even pre-COVID, that's nasty, all right? And, and so you got all this going on. And, and so circle prayer is very interesting. And, but one of the greatest parts about circle prayer when you was a teenager now, okay? See if y'all can go back with me this far, all right? When you was a teenager, if you knew when prayer time was coming, circle prayer was about to happen, if you positioned yourself just right, you could get by that certain girl that you were kind of sweet on or that boy you was kind of sweet on, and you get to hold their hand, right? All right? Yeah. Boy, that's a good part of, of, of circle prayer. Now, uh, now, one thing, though, you, you always kind of worried about your position, though, in circle prayer because it's very important. Not so much about the guy and girl thing, but you never really wanted to be last in circle prayer, okay? Because if you were last, what would happen is, is it's going around the circle, and you're down here on this end, and it's going around the circle, and you're last. You're not listening to the prayer, okay? You're not listening to any of the prayer going on at all. You're just totally oblivious to it because you're trying to figure out what you're going to say when it does come around to your turn, right? You're trying to figure out what you're going to pray for. So you're not really paying attention until, until you hear it going around the circle and all of a sudden somebody starts praying about what you were going to pray about. I mean, they stole your prayer. And now what are you going to pray about? I mean, it, it, it's getting complicated, right? I mean, it's crazy. Some of you are having flashbacks right now. I see you reaching in your pocketbook to get the thumbs out. I mean, it, it's just like, ugh. I, you know, I remember those days, and they weren't fun, right? And so not only did you have to learn how to pray in a group of people in circle prayer, but you also had to learn what we call the prayer circle signals, okay? We had prayer circle signals. And, of course, the main signal was the squeezing of the hand. All right? You know what I'm talking about? The squeezing the hand. Those of you that yeah, you know what I'm talking about. All right, yeah. Because if your hand got squeezed, okay, somebody squeezed your hand, 
in, in the order it was coming around. That meant they didn't want to pray. It meant they were taking a pass on prayer and that it was now your turn to pray. They just kind of squeeze your hand. It's your turn, okay, without saying anything, all right? The problem with that is the person that was going to pray was going to give you another minute or so to figure out what you was going to pray. But when they squeezed, squeezed your hand without praying, it freaked you out. And so you've forgotten now what you're going to pray for. So automatically you just squeeze a person's hand next to you and you pass that bad boy on around the circle. And so there's just this silence going on for, you know, five minutes. Everybody's squeezing hand. Nobody's praying, all right? Just going around the circle, right? And then how you ended the prayer. That was a huge signal, too. Okay, if you were in the middle of the pack and you were praying, the way that you would end your prayers, you would say, in Jesus' name. Okay, and then you would stop. That's all. You'd just say, in Jesus' name. You never would say amen, because amen is the key word, all right? It's the magic bullet, all right? When you say amen, circle prayer time is over, okay? That's the signal circle time prayer is over, is when you say, in Jesus' name, Amen. That was it. It's over. And it always, just almost always, it happened. Somebody in the middle would forget, and, and they would just, just, it just come out. They say in Jesus' name, Amen. Everybody let go of hands. Prayer time was over, and it didn't get around to you. You know, you know, got through half of the, the prayer circle time. So you had to get your signals right. And so by the time, by the time you had the person who never felt like they fit in the circle to start with, coupled with their perceived inadequacy to pray. You had just made for the most uncomfortable time in the entire church service for a church-going person to be in. And I was that person. I never felt like I matched up when it came to praying as good as somebody else. So what's the next thing we do when we don't feel like we can do it as good as somebody else? Well, we get cynical. We say, well, they're not doing it right either. So we just all going to quit praying. We just quit praying. Unless it's an emergency, of course, and then you can always pray and go to the Lord. But even growing up in church, nobody really taught me how to pray, especially to pray prayers that work. And so if you're here today and you feel inadequate in any way and for any reason, I really want you to tell yourself today, hey, it's okay. Because even the disciples felt inadequate when it came to praying. And think about it. You're praying in front of the Son of God? I mean, that, that's some... Yeah, that's some pressure right there. But they struggle with how to pray. So we're going to struggle through it together on how to pray like Jesus prayed. We're going to learn how to do it from God's Word and from these disciples who kind of struggle with it as well. Because, see, the disciples, they were spending time with Jesus. You know, they were running around, you know, doing ministry. And Jesus was teaching others about how to pray in general. And the disciples had been hearing this teaching. And they'd been spending time with Jesus. And they would notice that Jesus, on occasion, many times, he would go off by himself. And then he would come back sometime later by himself. And they could tell something that was different about him, that he had been in prayer with the Father. And so one day, one of the disciples, it doesn't say which one, came up and was bold enough, so that kind of gives you a clue right there who it might have been, was bold enough to come up to Jesus and say, hey, what's this deal about prayer? So we're going to look at it today and that teaching from God's Word from two different writers in two different books from two different translations, okay? And so I'm going to read, first of all, from the New Living Translation, which is the one that I use most of the time. And then I'm going to use the one that we have memorized the Lord's Prayer from, and that's the King James Version, or at least most of how we learn how to say it, okay? And then we're going to learn something interesting about the Lord's Prayer today, I think, all right? Look at it, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. The New Living Translation puts it this way, and this is Jesus' teaching. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. 
They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. That is, the more we pray it, the more of a chance God might answer it. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So don't pray like that, Jesus said. And then He goes on verse 9, He says, Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, that just does not register in your mind as the one you know, right? That, that was weird, right? That was weird even for me, and I'm the one who uses this translation a lot, okay? Well, here's the same passage, mostly the way that you have memorized it from the King James Version. Same passage, all right? But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they speak that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. Now that sounds a little bit more like the one that you know, right? Except for that one word. All right? Debt instead of trespasses for most of us, okay? Y'all caught that, all right? Well, let's look at how Luke recorded it. Flip over to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. I'm just going to read it from the King James Version. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, that is Jesus, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John, that is John the Baptist, also taught his disciples, and he said unto them, that is Jesus, when you pray, say... Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And this is from King James Version. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And it doesn't say anything about the kingdom and the power and the glory. So that's not exactly... The Lord's prayers, we know it either, is it? Right? It's just not the same. So where is the version that we repeat over in the traditional service every Sunday, and the one that for years and years and years that I led sports teams in as a chaplain with, uh, all of that time, I mean, that, that part in the fourth part where it says trespasses instead of dead or debtors or sin. Where, where is that? Well, I could not find it in the 63 English translations that are available to us today, either in Matthew 6, 12 or in Luke 11, all right? It's not there. Or anywhere else in the Bible, in the 63 English translations that we use, yes. And so that made me curious as well. Some of y'all are going, oh, yeah, well, where are you going? All right? So where did we learn this? Well, I researched it out a little bit. Prior to 1611, when King James authorized his version of the Bible that we call the King James Version that many used for so many years, prior to that time, the word debt... Uh, had been replaced with the word trespasses, okay? 
And then when King James came along and in 1611 said this is the way it's going to be, he changed the word back from trespasses to debts. And so that's how it got changed in the King James Version. So what I found out is how you learn the Lord's Prayer and the exact words that you use has far more to do with the church tradition in which you grew up in than it does with the translation of the Bible you used. And that's why I asked those questions at the beginning. Because most Reformed churches and Presbyterians, they mostly grew up using the word debt and debtors. Okay, But the Anglican churches and the Baptist churches and the Methodist churches and the Catholic churches, we mostly grew up saying trespasses and our trespasses uh, are those that trespass against us. So we use the word trespass instead of the word debt. So again, neither word's right or wrong. They both head in the same direction as we're going to see next week. They both end up at the same place. But I just thought that was interesting that we've been repeating this prayer and it's different than the way it's worded in any of the translations we have in the Bible. And you're going, see, that's my exact point about this prayer thing is it's complicated. Now I don't even know which word to use, you know. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I've been in many of the Lord's Prayer situations, you know, when you get to that part and you'll hear part of the people say debts and you'll hear somebody say sins and you hear somebody say trespassing. So it gets complicated, right? But we're going to take a look at the Lord's Prayer today and try to uncomplicate it a little bit. And I want to just remind you today that the Lord's Prayer is just a model prayer, okay? It has the main elements in there, the stuff that's important that Jesus wanted us to know about and to keep in there and to pray when we pray. But you can use your own words. God understands. God knows, okay, uh, what your heart is trying to say. Matter of fact, if you picked up one of our printed prayer guides that we have available, and we do have some more if you need to get one of those, there's some sample prayers and some more about this model prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, but we're going to look over these six major areas today and next week as we learn together how to pray like Jesus prayed, because this model prayer is exactly the answer that Jesus gave the disciples when they said, teach us how to pray. But see, when the disciple that asked Jesus this question, teach us how to pray, he wasn't really asking to teach them how to pray because they've been praying all their life. All right? They had memorized prayers growing up as young boys. They had recited prayers as young boys many, many times. So they weren't saying, Jesus, teach me how to pray. They were saying, Jesus, teach me how to pray like that. Teach me how to pray like you do. Teach me how to pray prayers that work. All right? So Jesus begins to teach them this Lord's Prayer in a model not only that they could learn by, but that we can learn by today. Well, first of all, the Lord's Prayer is divided into six different elements or six different categories, all right? The first three are directed towards God. And then the last three are directed toward us and other people. So we're going to look at those six different sections over these next couple of weeks as we cover these major categories. And so as we begin to unpack those, and like I say, we're only going to get through one of them today. We're going to do the next five or I don't know how many next week. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, how you start something is very important, right? And I, I like to use my love for golf for this kind of analogy because how you start praying is kind of very important, just like how you tee off in golf is very important as well, because the object in teeing off in golf is to hit your ball straight down the middle where it stays in the fairway where you can hit another shot, okay? And the thing about golf is when, when you hit a little round ball with a very flat surface at a high rate of speed, okay, trying to get that thing to 
go straight is a very difficult task, all right? I've been doing it for a long time, trying to, all right? Now, if you miss hit that round golf ball with that flat surface by just one little millimeter, it doesn't make much difference the first two or three inches that that ball comes off of the face of that golf club, right? But over a distance of about two or 300 yards, it can make a big difference, all right? You can go 100 yards left into the water or 100 yards to the right into the woods, okay? And neither one of those are good things, all right? So how you start off with your golf game and teeing off is a huge factor, and it's the same way with how you start off with prayer. And so Jesus teaches us to start our prayer with something very important. And see, many of us, we've gotten it wrong for years. You go and you think about how you start your prayer time. Most of the time, it's about you and what you need, okay? We need to fix that. Jesus teaches us to start with our Father, which art in heaven. He, so he teaches us, number one, to address God's rightful place as the Father. All right? We've got bulletin notes now. If you didn't pick up a bulletin coming in, you might want to do that next week because we've gone back to our old bulletin format. We've got on the back of that a place for you to fill in the blank. So we're addressing God's rightful place as the Father because we, we realize as God's child and Him being our Father that that should give us a lot of comfort and a lot of confidence, right? We should be able to totally trust our Father, correct? I mean, when I was little, and I'd be up in a tree or up on high on something, you know, and Dad would say, jump, and he'd hold out his arms. I didn't calculate if he could catch me or not, or if he was too far away, or if I was too heavy, or, or whatever the deal was. You know, if he said jump, man, I just jumped, right? Because I knew my dad was going to catch me. I trusted the fact that he was my father, and I could have complete confidence and trust him that he was going to catch me. But, you know, for some of you guys here today, calling God Father, I realize that that doesn't give you a lot of comfort. And it doesn't give you a lot of confidence. Because your Father, the one that you either have here on earth now or you had in the past here on earth, is or was anything but a trustworthy person. And your earthly Father your thoughts of him are not pleasant thoughts even to this day. And unfortunately for you, your earthly father is or was mean. He was unforgiving, demanding, demeaning, cruel, hateful, vindictive, destructive, and in some cases... Very abusive. So when you think of Father, it's not very comforting. Not very pleasant. And for you, it's going to take some extra work on your part. When you think of this mental image of coming to God, the Father. But I want you to know here today that God the Father is nothing like your earthly father. Whether your earthly father was good or not so good. Your heavenly father it's far different. Matter of fact, you want to write this down. God the Father is the Father you always wish you had. So if you didn't have a great Father here on this earth, or you don't have one now, God the Father is the Father that you always wish you had. For those of us here today that were fortunate enough to have good fathers here on earth, it's much easier for us to go to God the Father. You see, my dad was always there. My dad always came home even when I was in trouble and didn't want him to, right? He always showed up. He took us to church 
every Sunday. He went with us to church. He worked hard. He made a good living for us. He provided what we needed. He taught me how to play golf when I was four or five years old. He taught me how to fish. He taught me how to use a hammer and a nail and to cut a board because his profession was he was a cabinet maker. But you know, most of all, my dad, he taught me how to be a good father by being a good father himself. And you know what? It's really an honor and a privilege to be a father. It really is. And when my kids were younger, now with my grandkids, there's nothing, and I mean nothing, more gratifying than for one of them to crawl up in my lap and just cuddle with me, right? Yesterday, uh, Levi and Ella Grace were there at the house, and we were watching a football game, okay? And, um, and so there was this vicious tackle made by a really good team, uh, and uh, Levi said, Daddy Mac, did you see that tackle? He destroyed him. I said, yeah, I did. And with that, he came towards me, and he tried to destroy my body with his head and his shoulder. He wanted to imitate that tackle, in which he did, all right? And even though he's not 6'6", 350, it felt like it, okay, and, and, and all that. Well, about 15 minutes later, I'm, I'm still sitting there watching the game, you know, and he comes at me again. I'm kind of flinched up, jerking a little bit, you know. Well, this time he just crawls up on me real gentle, like, and he gets right in, he straddles me here on my chest, and he just laid down on me, and he laid his head on me. Oh, my God. Man, I, I'm never going to hurt again. You know, I mean, it's just like that just made everything go away. I mean, that, that was just so awesome, man. It, it, there's just nothing like it when your kid or your grandkids cuddle with you and just crawl up on you like that. Matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, one of my 30-year-olds, I'm not going to say which one, daughters climbed up into my lap and just sat down in my lap and cuddled with me for about five minutes. And then I knew, yes, you are the chosen one. You are the golden child. Yes, I, I love you more than the other one. Yes, you, you can have anything you want. It's all yours. She's not getting nothing. Your sister never see a thing. No, you're it. But I mean, there's nothing like it when they crawl up in your lap like that. Because when they crawl up in your lap like that, they're saying, you know what? My dad or my daddy Mac, he loves me more than anybody or anything. And he is going to take care of me. You know, when I crawl up in his lap, he's going to protect me. He's going to provide for me. I am protected here in his lap. I am loved here in his lap. And there's nothing like it. Now, again, I know some of you didn't have that kind of father here on earth. But you can have it with your heavenly father. I've got a verse for all of us today. It's a great one. Romans 8, chapter 15. Look at it with me. It's up here on the screen. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. We've all been adopted into God's family if we've received Jesus. He's our Father. One thing that I found true for all of us, no matter whether our dad here on earth was good or not so good, is this one thing here. You might want to write this down. Your view of God. Your view of God will determine your relationship with God. So see, if you see God as a cruel, mean God, that's going to be your relationship with God. And God doesn't mean for it to be that way because that's not how he is. But your view of God will determine your relationship 
with God. You know, and if it's all about obeying a bunch of rules, I don't want to be with my parent or parents. Do you? If it's all about the rules and they're just waiting for you to break one so they can get on to you? No, that's not, that's not a relationship. But see, rules without a relationship is not worth much anyway, right? It's all about that relationship. And so God, our Heavenly Father, He wants that relationship with us. And for those of us who have accepted Christ, we realize that we have been adopted into his family, that we are his children, that we are loved in a very, very special way. And next Sunday, we're going to look at these next points in this prayer. But I just thought this one today was so important. How we start off our time with God is essential. And our view of God is going to determine your relationship with God. So you can come, and I want you to know that today. You have nothing to fear. In coming to your heavenly Father today in prayer, He invites you to crawl up in His lap. He invites you to let Him into your life and just let Him love on you. And so I encourage you to do that even today. So here's a takeaway from it it's just a 16 word prayer. All right, here it is. Very simple. It says, Good morning, Father. I'm just going to crawl up in your lap for a few minutes. Think you might do that this week? Each morning, right when your feet hits the floor for the very first time. Good morning, Father. I'm just going to crawl up in your lap for a few minutes before I start my day today because I just need some good loving. Try it. I think it will make a big difference in your prayer life. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for uh, the fact that as our Heavenly Father that you love us unconditionally. That, Father, we can mess up and we can make mistakes and yet you still love us with a love that is unexplainable, a love that is undeserved, and yet you've adopted us as your children, those of us who have believed in Jesus and asked him into our heart and life. And so I pray that if there's a person here that has never done that, that they would first of all do that today and experience your love for the very first time. I pray today that those who have kind of walked away from prayer because they didn't feel like they were doing it right or they just didn't feel like you were listening or whatever the reason might be, that they would just renew that commitment to come to you and just crawl up in your lap even right now. Just crawl up in your lap and be loved on as the Heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, before we leave today, I got some exciting news. Uh, Phil Hathcock, are you here today? If you're here, stand up. Hey, there you are. Come on up here, Phil. Phil's back there learning how to work sound in the back. Phil moved here not too many weeks ago, just maybe a little over a month or two now. Uh, from Warner Robins, Georgia. Okay, he's retired from the Air Force there and uh, making his home here in Statesboro. You can just stand right there. Yeah, come on up here. Either way, hey, there you go. But uh, Phil has come through our Discover class a couple weeks ago. Go be back this afternoon along with some other folks for our apply class. And, and so Phil comes today saying that he wants to join 
Eastern Heights Baptist Church by letter. And so knowing that Jesus is his Savior, his Lord, he's been scripturally baptized. And he just says, you know, hey, I want to be a part of a loving, awesome church like Eastern Heights. Matter of fact, I don't want to just join. I want to, I want to serve somewhere. I want to work somewhere. So he's back there learning how to do that media stuff. And we appreciate you so much. And God bless you for being here. Let's all give him a hand. Yes, sir. Thank you. You can, you can head on back. Y'all see Phil? As you're going around, just say, hey, hey, wave at me or whatever. But so glad that you're here today. So glad to have Phil as a new member. That's, is that your fiance back there with you? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I, it's Retta, right? Retta, okay. Retta, we're so glad to have you with us today as well. And Retta just lost her mom uh, a couple weeks ago or last week, yes. And so i uh, been praying for Retta and her situation there with her family. And so... Uh, want to lift both of them up, Retta and Phil, today to the Lord. And so uh, just glad that y'all are here and glad to have any other guests. Be sure to get your uh, bag on the way out. We have a gift bag for you. It has a Chick-fil-A gift card in there if you can wait out the line at the place, all right? It's going to be a blessing to you. So, uh, so glad you're here today. Let's all stand together as we sing and are dismissed to be the life-changing church God's called us to be. God bless you. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all this stealing. You're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way.
encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.